Hi everyone, uh, I'm super happy that you're listening today and today I have a special guest, uh, Jamie Abrams uh, and she's an amazing yoga teacher but she's not just a yoga teacher, she's also the founder and owner of Embodied Badassery, so I'm really happy to have you here today Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. Great, uh, and what I'm really interested in and I think maybe a lot of listeners as well it's about what is an embodied badass and what sense, what does embodied badassery stand for? So thank you very much for having me today. Uh, embodied badassery was born out of my desire to um, offer more of my skills to the world and not just be a yoga teacher, so to speak. Um, I have much more than yoga teaching I really felt. And with yoga, an area that I that I'm focused in and that I specialize in is embodiment and not all yoga is embodied which is a sort of a little bit of a myth go there later if you want. Um, so I specialize in embodiment and embodied yoga principles and so when I was creating my business um, I wanted it to again sort of be an umbrella for everything that I do and embodied badassery was born and a lot of people are like, well, what does badassery or being badass have to do with embodiment and yoga? I, I don't get how this fits together. And for me, it's it's really quite simple. When we are embodied, when when I'm embodied, I know how I am. I can see how you are. And if I can see how you are, I can see how they are. I can see how we are. And by having this felt sense of always knowing how I am and being able to see how others are, I make choices that are not harmful to myself. I make choices that aren't harmful to you and to others. And so from this really powerful place, I'm a badass. So for me, being in a place of empowerment is badassery. And that's where the badassery comes from. Not, um, I don't know, not some cool, hard a weird thing that some people think badassery is but it's actually from a place of power yeah that's amazing um because uh, i myself i'm really interested in yoga but i don't really do it as often as i would like to um so maybe i'm still needing to find a very good yoga teacher i don't know um but if someone is interested in starting yoga or doing more often what advice would you kind of give or maybe share some experience of yours yeah i mean it's interesting because for me yoga is not just rolling out a sticky mat or a fancy 100 pound yoga mat and going on there and making shapes with your body while that is valid for some people that's not yoga that's not just what yoga is for me yoga for me is more of a lifestyle and it's about the choices i make it's about the way i eat about the way I treat others. It's about um, how I spend my money. So if you're looking to get into a physical practice, if that's what you mean by yoga, then um, there's there's nothing more that you can do except for except for actually go and do mm -hmm. it. You know, make space. That's part of your self care practice or taking care of yourself. The only person who's going to do that for you is you. <laughs> so there's really no excuse really for a lot of people if they want to get into the actual physical practice of it not to do it. There's so many online resources. So even if you're living remotely, there's no reason you can't um, follow along a video or a book or whatever. 
but getting into a physical practice, yeah, sometimes it is literally about finding a match, finding uh, a teacher that, that offers a flavor that feels good for you. So I would say if you're looking for a teacher, then just do some research. And also what, I mean, there's so many different styles of yoga too. So it's what, what style is going to be most beneficial for where you are in life. You know, um, if you lead a really hectic lifestyle, then a really fast paced yoga is probably not the kindest yoga to be doing. And if you live a really slow paced life, then maybe uh, a kinder a kinder yoga would be a fast paced yoga. So it, it depends on what you're trying to get out of it and, and what you want to what you want to achieve basically or if you have an end goal in mind. Yeah. So what inspired you to become a yoga teacher? Because you've been doing it for quite a long time now, right? Yeah, I've been teaching for nearly twenty years. <laughs> yeah that makes me feel old but anyway. um it it actually just started when i was when i was 13 years old i had a very cool aunt who lived um in california and then she moved back to my hometown which is in the midwest of the u.s and not a very cool place and she used to talk about yoga and i had no idea what it was I and mean, i literally had no idea what it was but because she said it i was like oh that sounds cool i want to try it and so fast forward a few more years, and I had uh, a boy, my very first boyfriend that I really, really loved, and, you know, my first love and all that stuff. And we broke up, and I was heartbroken, I was really devastated. And for whatever reason, in that moment, through that devastation, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try yoga. I'm going to find a yoga class. And so when I was 18, I uh, found a yoga class and started going. And... I loved it. I have. I had no explanation. I didn't even know what I was doing. I remember friends saying, "Well, what is yoga?" Because back in those days, um, you know, the city I'm, I'm from, there was like two or three yoga teachers, so no one even knew what yoga was. And when my friends kind of found out that I was doing yoga, they were like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I don't know. You kind of move your body like this and then like that." And I couldn't remember. Like I didn't even know what it was, but I loved it. And that's sort of what what sparked my interest. And then after that, after I was taking yoga for a little while I thought well why can't I be a yoga teacher and then I went to study okay. so you started it already at a really young age yeah so cool um so so you you kind of decide okay I want to be a yoga teacher and then you kind of sign up for a certain education or a course how, how did that go well, I was already, I was at university. I started university a little bit younger. Um, so I was already at university and I was studying, it's interesting because I was studying international business and I hated it. Like I, I could fly through it because it was easy. Like academically it was easy, but I, I was like falling asleep in all my lectures and I thought, oh my gosh, if I'm falling asleep in my lectures, what is my life going to hold before me? Like, this is not going to be an exciting life. And so I very quickly changed my major to health and wellness. So I started studying health and wellness. And so while I was at university, I was studying that. And I found, uh, and this is like almost pre-internet days when internet was just sort of coming out and like there wasn't a whole lot online, but I managed on, in a very limited way, I think probably on Yahoo, found a yoga teacher training or I can't remember how I found it. And um, I found one that was being offered in Australia. And I thought, well, I've never been there. 
I'm going to go to Australia. I'll do my teacher training there. And um, so I managed to schedule my university courses around me taking time out to go and study. And then I came back from that and then went straight back into my university and finishing my university degree. And then I just did lots of other trainings over the years through through my whole sort of yoga career. So and how did like the yoga practice and learning more about it uh, change your life? You know, it's that's that's quite an interesting question because because yoga has been a part of my life from a very young age. It's sort of hard to know because it's it's almost like I've always had yoga. I, I mean, I could probably say how yoga shaped and sculpted me through really big transitional times in my life, you know, like how did it impact me becoming a mother or how did it, you know, how did it shape um, having a separation from the father of my children? So when it comes to sort of big, you know, milestones or, or life things, I could probably speak to, but not how, how's it changed my life? Cause it's almost always been a part of my life. So how did it help you during those difficult periods in your life? Well, it's interesting. Well, when becoming a mother, so when I had my first child, um, I had a lot of very limiting beliefs about yoga and about my yoga practice. And although I was living my yoga, so to speak, you know, I was still making very conscious decisions about um, my lifestyle. I still had it in my mind at that time that yoga was predominantly what you do on your yoga mat. And so after I had my first child, when when you have when you have a baby, you don't have the you don't have the luxury of time that that people who don't have children have. And so I remember after I had him, I was really struggling to find time to actually do a physical practice because in my mind, in my head, it was like if I don't have an hour and a half or two hours to dedicate being on my yoga mat, that's not yoga. And so soon after, a light bulb went off. And it was just like, that's not yoga. You know, yoga is like, if you can find five minutes and do something, that's still yoga. You don't need to have, you know, two hours to, to do this full practice. So that was an interesting switch for me in my thought about how, how you can build practice into the life of a mother. But as far as my mothering, um, I would say <laughs> mothering, mothering is, is yoga. It's like, high level yoga because you have to it pulls on all of your resources it pulls on all the things that you integrate into this sort of yogic lifestyle and mindfulness and conscientiousness and, and all of these things so um yeah i'm not sure what kind of mother i would be if i didn't have yoga i would probably be a crazy woman i would imagine i, I have no idea so that was that sort of a, a, a that was a pivotal time in my in my yoga mindset after my first child, and then um, it also taught me a lot because I breastfed both of my children as well. It taught me a lot about how the act of mothering is really slowing down. And when I was breastfeeding my children, that was that was a yogic practice in itself to be sat there not able really to do anything else and to be fully present with this other human being that I'm helping to grow. And um, 
I think that was that's probably my highest level of of yogic practice was my breastfeeding my breastfeeding practice so to speak and um and yeah and then you know fast forward forward several years and you know yoga has always sort of been a crutch for me it's always it's always been there this this yogic idea these yogic philosophies this practice and it's actually through getting into embodiment so embodiment to me I mean maybe not a lot of people understand or have my idea of embodiment but for me embodiment is how am i how are you how am i like how am how am i how do i want to be and and is there a gap between how I am and how I want to be? And is there anything that I can do to, to be how I want to be? So it's actually getting into the embodiment and really listening into the body and really understanding how I am that um, sort of took me down another, another road, another journey. And really getting deeply into my body is what also sort of led me to leaving leaving the father of my children and that might sound really far connection or link but it's you know he's a he's a super wonderful human being and man however there were things that just weren't right that just weren't working that weren't so so to speak fixable and um i didn't want to believe that for a very very long time i didn't want to believe that and maybe he probably didn't either so I, I, I kind of came to this point where my body was screaming at me. It literally broke and my body never breaks. Like my body, I like have a very healthy body in many regards and my body literally broke in the form of an injury. And, um, I remember, and I, and I injured it in, in, in a really sort of mundane, silly way, nothing, nothing major. And, um, I remember being really emotional and just crying my eyes out. And it was just like, Jamie, when when are you gonna listen? When are you gonna listen? And it was through it was, it was actually sort of through that process that I was like, okay, I can't I can't hold myself back anymore. I can't repress myself any longer. This is something I'm gonna have to do. And um, then we separated, and it was you know a very painful process, um, but it's it's exactly what I needed to do for myself. Yeah, because um, that's what I also learned over the last couple of years, how important it is to listen to your body. And actually, for me, illness taught me that. Because um, when I had a heart attack and struggled with heart disease, I had to learn to listen to my body. And it became the most important thing to me. So now, during the day, what I always do is I tap into my body. So how am I actually feeling right now? And instead of suppressing everything, and I think nowadays we also live in our head so much. I think at work, uh, in education, at school, we're constantly living in our head. And there aren't really a lot of people that teach you how to be in your body. And I think that's really interested about what you do, that you actually teach people that embodiment and yeah, I think that's really amazing. Well, it's 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 interesting because um, when people ask me about embodiment and trying to understand what it is, because embodiment is one of these things that's really hard to describe. However, we all have a body, all of us, or we wouldn't be here. So we all have a body. That's a, that's our starting point. 
that we have this body. And our body has greater wisdom than any of our deepest philosophies. And by by tuning into this deeper body wisdom, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the primal messages that our body gives us. I'm not talking about, oh, my body told me to eat a whole bag of Oreos, or my body told me to be an asshole to somebody else. You know, that's, that's not, that's not real body. The real body wisdom is, is a layer below all of that stuff. And we know that it's our body talking because it's for, am I safe? Am I safe? Am I okay? It's, it's these primal messages. And when we don't listen to them, our body does react and respond. Our, our body will, will send us messages however it needs to, however extreme it needs to be. And I often tell people, I don't work with mindset. I work with body set. I work with the body. I take the head out of the equation because our head is a circus. It has all sorts of monkeys flying around, and most of them are untrue. But the body, on the other hand, doesn't generally um, go that direction. I mean, if we're talking about, like, drug or alcohol addiction, but that's another story. Take those out of the equation. And um, our, body, our body generally doesn't tell the same kind of tales that the head tells. Yeah, because when you're really in touch with your body, um and not just in your head, then actually I try to eat a lot more healthy foods because that's what I've been doing. I haven't been following a particular diet or anything. Just along the way, I started to make healthier changes of what does my body need? And I started to notice, oh, what does actually make my body feel good? What actually gives me energy? And I think it's different for everyone. And of course, there are general things like, sugar i think that's what i've noticed because i'm really sensitive and then i eat it anyway and then afterwards i get really fatigued um so maybe do you have some tips for people who are listening how to listen more to your body so actually listen to your body not just some instincts of oh i want some sugar now or things like that i think the the very first thing that i tell people who want to get more in touch with their bodies is to uh Create a create a practice, and it's a this is a very simple practice. So five times a day, that's not a lot. Five times a day for thirty seconds, check in with your body. Stop everything that you are doing, and notice how are you breathing, how are you feeling emotionally, how's the body feeling, and that's it. And by by stopping those five times during a day. And if you do that over a period of time, you might start noticing patterns like, wow, you don't even have to write this. You don't have to write these little check-ins down. They're just mental check-ins and no one has to know you're doing it. You can be anywhere and do it. Um, but you might start noticing a pattern like, wow, I notice every time when I stop at like 10 o'clock, 10 a.m., for example, I feel really sluggish. And maybe you can tie that to something else that's going on that happens before that 10 a.m. check-in. So I would say um, that's the first and easiest way. And to make sure that you do it, it's easy for me to say, oh, create a practice. To make sure that you do it, you have to anchor it to something else. And by anchor it, I mean every time you turn on the kettle, that's when you do your, your body check-in. Or um, 
you know, most of us have smartphones these days and it's pretty easy to set a timer in there five times a day. It goes off. And when it goes off, you stop everything you're doing for that 30 seconds and have a genuine check. Um, but again, if you don't want to be tied to your phone, you, you anchor it to something else that you already do. Like every time you tie your shoe or every time you take a drink of water or whatever, so that would be the very first thing I'd say. Yeah, I think actually anchoring tip is really good because um, I also give people advice to how to start feeling more. So getting more in touch with the emotions in the same practice. But um, so then set a time or something else. But I think it's really good advice of doing a particular task or when, you, for example, what you just said, tying your shoelaces. That's a really cool way to, yeah, to put a practice in your day-to-day -day life. I mean, because to be honest, Anna, it's really easy for me to to say, this is, do this. But if I don't give you a how, I'm not being very effective at my job. So, you know, and I, and I have to say, that's one of, probably one of my little pet peeves is, is oftentimes, especially in, in maybe the industry and the work that we do, there's a lot of people spouting and telling you, like, well, feel this way blah 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 but there's no how like well how do I stop feeling this or how 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 so I like to work more in the realm of the how yeah I think it's most effective because um yeah we can find like so many things what we need to do or what we have to do and we a lot of times we already know for example we know that we have to eat healthy that's best for us but how do you actually create a healthy uh, eating habits? I think that's very important. And what I always focus on is why aren't you doing it? Like what is your number one reason for not doing it? And I think that's what's really inspiring about you, what I kind of already know about you, that you're really into following up with action. And I think that's very important. Because also at the beginning you said you just have to, if you want to do more yoga, you got to do it. What I find is that for, for a lot of people, a lot of people that I've worked with over the years, people don't make a change until their pain point is high enough. And what I mean by pain point, for those who aren't familiar with that sort of slogan or term, it's whatever in life is so painful and so hard, until that reaches a threshold that's unbearable, most people won't change. Because if there's still a little bit of comfort, why bother? What you know, why bother with the effort? So it's usually generally speaking, when people are at that the highest of their pain point, that they'll be willing to make a change and then stick to it. And it's a little bit unfortunate that our society and culture works that way, but um yeah, that's that's just the realm that we're working in. Um and yeah, it's, 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 it's when you get to that point where you're at rock bottom, you're like, I do not want to feel like this anymore, that we pull ourselves off and we do something about it. And to be fair, I, maybe I'm cheating a little bit because I have this toolbox full of embodied tools and practices. So even in those times when I don't feel like going forward, when I don't feel like making things happen, I know that in my toolbox, I have some practices that I can use that actually put my body in the momentum forward. So for example, um, I, I specialize in embodied yoga principles. And embodied yoga principles are um, 
a set of 26 archetypal forms. Some resemble yoga postures, some do not, but they have a very deep psychological layering to them. And there's actually an entering in form. So when I feel like I'm holding myself back or maybe I'm just feeling lazy because I feel lazy like everyone else too. Or if I'm having one of those days where I just want to hide under my duvet and not do anything, if I put myself into the entering in form, it's magic. My body is put into this shape. I feel it. And then I have this new lease of, okay, right, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. So I do have a little arsenal of, of tools that, that get me through stuff. Yeah. yeah, I kind of do it as well. A lot. For example, when I feel really resistant to doing something or not feeling like it, what I just go and do it a lot of times, just go for a walk or meditate or something like that. To Usually walking helps best when you actually want to get into action because you're actually, what you just said, you're moving forward. So you're already embodying the moving forward aspect and then I get back home and then I start working. And it really helps really well for me. And I mean, even the way in which we walk. So, for example, if you told me that um, you had a project that you were working on and you, you were lacking sort of imagination with it, I, I, could, I would suggest to you go for a walk, but walk in zigzags, walk in windy way, you know, don't walk in a straight line. Walk in as many different weird ways or through paths that you wouldn't normally walk. And you know what? you'd probably come back from that walk with some ideas because your your body, you're putting your body in in these different ways and all of a sudden the mind's like, oh, actually, I've got this idea. And I know that sounds really simple and to some people listening to this, they're not mm -hmm. going to believe me. But go and do it. Go try it. Go do it for yourself. That's all I can say is go do it. And, and you'll see how amazing this vehicle is that we get to carry around. Yeah, and so it's just really getting out of her own head. Like, Absolutely. Because I can be really perfectionistic, so then the overthinking starts. And then you're creating all these obstacles for doing something that aren't even there yet. And that's like just a form of resistance that I think almost everyone has. I still have it, but you can just find these different practices and things that will help you kind of get that out of the way and really go forward to what you want. Exactly, and I, I actually, I heard this quote the other day, and I think it's perfect for perfectionists, actually, and, it, and it's something like, you don't have to be perfect to be amazing. And it's so true, because we often get into these, these traps of, um, of perfectionists, and it's like, if this isn't like this, then I can't do this. Well, actually, we don't know that. So we might as well just do it anyway, because our mind, again, I said, it, like I said earlier, it's like a circus. We have all sorts of monkeys running around in there. And uh, it's, it's fascinating to me. It's really fascinating how, how, where do these monkeys come from? You know, I mean, that, maybe that's a whole nother conversation. Where do the monkeys even come from? Like, how do they even get in there? Um, but yeah, combating the monkeys through the body is, is my, my top tip. Yeah, and what I always remind myself of, I think I got this one from Brian also during the Wisdom scores, was uh, done is better than perfect. And always before doing something, I remind myself, oh, I'm, it's just, it's, um, it's also from Corey Young, he said, it's not about perfection, it's about completion. 
So we always focus on completing something instead of getting every detail and everything right because a lot of times that leads to procrastination as well. Yeah, well, that's just another way. It's another way to procrastinate. It's another way to keep ourselves small because if I if I keep focusing on, on the little tiny little details and, and, and all these things, then I would never get anything done. I mean, even for example, I've just... just um, recorded three new free videos for my for my website I literally took them all in one take it's kind of like I just did them all back to back straight in no retakes none of that because you know what I'm good enough and so long as so long as I keep that in my mind I don't have to keep focusing on all of the the tiny details of well the lighting wasn't quite right or I should have said this or I should have said that doesn't matter the heart and the essence of what I'm doing is coming across on that yeah and I feel like a lot of times when you do things in one take it isn't perfect it's usually far from perfect but it is the most authentic and usually people can relate to it a lot better um, as well so like that's what I've learned overcoming my perfectionism is like actually the things that make you imperfect uh, makes people connect to you in a way because There's we can yeah. that people connect to. absolutely i mean it's when i'm my most real and my most raw that people connect to me the most they see i'm human it's like and um, i don't i don't know for, for you and your work but sometimes i feel like especially being a yoga teacher kind of put up on this pedestal this imaginary mm -hmm. pedestal i have no idea who put the pedestal there but you're on this pedestal and people think you are a certain way and your life is a certain way and then it's like truth bomb time and the mic drops when you're like well actually no my life isn't perfect and yeah sometimes I do yell at my kids <laughs> you know? like, I do experience frustration I do experience anger you know yoga and, and embodiment are not a way for me not to be human I mean they're ways for me to help manage my states but it doesn't make me any less human yeah, I think what's a very big illusion that being enlightened or being very embodied or something like that, that you're just not experiencing anger or emotional breakdowns or bad stuff happening in your life. We all go through it. Even teachers have met and people have been trained by every single one when goes through those things. Exactly. Exactly. Precisely. None of us. I mean, None of us go through life without without having some kind of challenge. That's life. Like that that's just how it is. But it's it's interesting how we project and and how we make assumptions about a certain kind of person or um, people in certain professional fields or even, you know, I would say even like celebrities. Like we probably mm -hmm. do a lot of projecting on celebrities that well they have the perfect life because they have this that and and at the end of the day, we're all human. We're all having a very human experience. And I think the only difference is, is how we choose to have that human experience. So when I'm feeling anger, how I choose to respond to myself, how I choose to respond to others, that's the difference. But I still feel everything else. It's just my, my choice and, and how I express it and, and who I 
And um, so I would also want to ask you kind of some uh, last advice, because you already given quite a lot, which is great. Um, for people who are kind of now in a challenging position, so for example, they knew, know something needs to change, it might be in their career or in a relationship, uh, what advice would you give them? That's really quite individual. Because mm -hmm. There are so many different circumstances that would go into making a change. You know, a, a business professional who wants to change, who maybe has no children, to someone who does have children, um, it, it would be very, very different. And also the resistance that people feel in different situations to certain kinds of change is really, really different. But I would say if you're at a place where you feel like there needs to be change, then I would say get into your body as much as you can. And by getting into your body, that could be doing the body check-ins, like I said earlier, earlier. getting into your body could mean um, exercising or moving your body in different ways. It could mean breathing. It could mean meditating. But find ways to get into your body. And by getting into your body, the, the answers will start to come. They'll start to become more clear. Um, and that's sort of like, I, I know, quite a vague, a vague mm -hmm. answer. But again, like I said, it's very, very dependent on, on the person's situation. But get into your body. Yeah, I think that's great advice because you're completely right. It's different for each individual. And usually we do know the answers when we go in work. And then it's just, again, acting on it. Acting on the wisdom you receive. And also, I'd have to say, and I also really completely understand that getting into your body may not feel safe for some people to experience trauma. So if you have um, trauma in your past and getting into your body does not feel safe, but you still want to make some kind of change, um, then I would definitely encourage you to go and uh, do some trauma release work uh, in a somatic way. Because when we do it somatically, I'm not a trauma expert, by the way. You know, mm -hmm. you have more trauma experience than you. But from my point of view, if you have um, if you have trauma, working through it somatically, I don't want to say is easier because that makes it sound you know makes it sound like uh, trauma is an easy thing to work through, and I know that it's not. But sometimes working through the body um, takes off the headspace in a, in a lot of ways and can make the process more seamless. Um, so yeah, if being in your body doesn't feel safe, my point being is, is, is find a, a trauma release for what you feel safe. Yeah, because that's what I've noticed in my work as well, uh, and also working myself with trauma practitioners and doing it myself, is that people are like trained and specialized in creating a safe space. So creating a safe environment to feel those things you're afraid to just by yourself. Um, so yeah that's definitely good advice if you really feel unsafe find a professional and usually you can find a somatic practitioner or someone online there are so many more options nowadays so that's really great yeah because I think a lot of people when um, I feel like a lot of people when they hear trauma or they hear the word trauma they immediately assume oh that means I have to go see a psychologist or psychotherapist mm -hmm. or or whatever but actually there are a lot of other ways to begin releasing trauma that doesn't necessarily mean um, laying on a couch digging up 
all of the events and series of things that happened that created this trauma, but there are other ways that, that you can get into that trauma that's not the traditional or normal way. And yeah. if there's anyone listening that has had trauma and they, again, I'm not a trauma specialist, but I might be able to point you to some, some trauma um, people in your area, or I'm sure that you could as well. Yes. Yes. I think that if you're searching for it, you can definitely find it. Uh, and there are a lot more somatic practitioners nowadays and uh, also a lot more people I know who are certified by the same method, uh, method are getting more and more people certified for it. So definitely the group of practitioners are growing very fast. Yeah. And Jamie, I think it was really fun to have you on here uh, because you give a lot of good advice and tips and I think it will be really helpful for a lot of people. You also mentioned that you just created like this video series, right? Yeah. So currently, if, if anyone's on, if anyone goes to my website now, currently um, it's three, three videos for self-care. And um, I'm changing it all. And very soon you'll have the body of pleasure. So I'm working to help reorient people to, to pleasure in their bodies and finding pleasure and coming from a place of pleasure. So, yeah, I have uh, the Body of Pleasure series coming out very soon, probably in the next couple of days. Okay, great. Yeah, then um, I would just put the links and everything down below so you can find out more about Jamie's work. And again, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Sonny. Thank you so much. <laughs>